Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like uh, counsel on or advice on from the scriptures, or if you have a prayer request, we'd love to hear from you and pray for you here on the air with so many people listening and saying amen. So do give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are tuning in here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. You're hearing this show live today. And we also want to welcome those of you listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those who are listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. We want to remind you, though, that those of you listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, so those on Hope FM and Truth FM, you are hearing this program on a one-week delay. Just keep that in mind. We would love for you to still call in and be part of the show, and then you guys actually get the unique opportunity. You get to tune in a week later and listen to yourself on the radio. You can tell your friends to tune in as well and, uh, and hear you a week later. But just keep in mind that you're hearing the show on a one-week delay. We also want to give a big hello to everyone who listens online. Just before the show started, I was sent a screenshot of the um, listening audience right now online. And this is pretty cool. They're showing me who's tuning in from which parts of the country and different parts of the world, well, at least North and South America, so Western Hemisphere right now. Um, we're seeing that we have a lot of listeners, uh, kind of a lot, big concentration in Colorado and on the East Coast, but then some surprising ones as well. It looks like we have some listeners down in um, New Orleans, Louisiana, so shout out to you guys. It looks like in the Chicagoland area as well as uh, up in Minnesota, definitely got some listeners in Washington State and in Southern California, and then I think this one's pretty cool. We have a listener in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. So, hey, if you are tuning in, you can hear me right now in Rio de Janeiro. Welcome to the program. So glad you tuned in. Maybe we can get a screenshot, too, of uh, who's listening in the Eastern Hemisphere. I'd be curious to know uh, who, who's listening over there. Pretty late for those guys. But um, however you've tuned in today, wherever you're listening in on, we're so glad to have you tuning in. And uh, just a reminder for those of you who are hearing us now, whether you're in our listening area or, or elsewhere, remember that we have a great app that you can download and you can listen on your mobile device or on your um, or on your tablet. You can tune in and listen over the internet anywhere in the world. So you can go to your app store and then just type in Grace FM, one word, and you can download that app for free and then you can listen through the app anywhere in the world. And you can also go in your browser if you're on a desktop or laptop, you can go in your browser just to gracefm.com 
and you can listen to this show and all the other great programming on Grace FM anytime, anywhere for free. So we are so glad that you're with us today. So glad to have you tuning in. And once again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, anything going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, give us a call, text us. We want to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. A few words about myself. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. So for those of you who are listening in the Longmont area or maybe in Frederick, Firestone, Decono, Erie, Lafayette, uh, Niwot, Boulder, Lyons, Berthoud. You guys are all real close by. And uh, we would love to have you come worship with us. I'd love to meet you. And uh, I, I'm always excited. I have people come up to me almost every week and say, hey, I, I listened to you on the radio. I heard you on the radio. I decided to come out and worship with you this weekend and see what God's doing here at Whitefields. We absolutely love that. We'd love for you to do that if you're listening and you're within driving distance of us. Our church is called Whitefields Community Church. We meet right downtown in downtown Longmont. We are just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. And so we are at the northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street. And that means that we're on the edge of Roosevelt Park, and we're just to the south of the downtown park and ride here in Longmont. So we're on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is our city park here in Longmont, and we're right in the downtown hub. Um, our building is called the St. Vrain Memorial Building. It's kind of a well-known space here in downtown Longmont. And we meet there on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for worship and the Word. We have a great children's ministry, fabulous worship ministry, and we would love for you to be part of what God's doing Really exciting times for our church. We're currently um, exploring next steps for us to get our own uh, permanent facility and looking into some things into, in those regards. And so it's an exciting time of building and uh, seeing God grow and move in our church or seeing God uh, grow our church and seeing God move in our church. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. Come check us out. Uh, worship with us in person on Sunday or check us out online if you're not in our local area. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Com. And you can also hear me here on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. So if for some reason you're not in church on Sunday morning, turn into Grace FM and you will hear our services at that time. Let's go to our first caller, Dan in Frederick, Colorado. Hi, Dan. Welcome to the program. Hi. Do you hear me okay? I can I'm, hear you great. What's up, Dan? How are you doing? Okay. I, well, I would like to uh, thank you, Nick for uh, being an inspiration to my life through Jesus Christ. Oh, and I, I listen to Grace FM a lot, and it really helps me in my in my faith walk with Christ and learning how to uh, witness to others about Christ. And today uh, a prayer was answered um, for me. I've been praying really hard for my cousin Dino, um, he is, uh, he's like a brother to me. He's a couple of years younger than I am. And both of us were, you know, pretty lost in drugs and alcohol for many, many years. Mm. And, um, since I became to, uh, since I come to know Jesus, um, I've been trying, I've been praying to be able to get the courage to, uh, witness to my cousin or any family member in my family or anybody else 
you know, to be able to witness about Jesus to um, bring others to Christ, you know. Um, and I, I got to have that phone call, and I asked God uh, many times if he would um, soften my cousin's heart to receive what um, God wants to um, speak to him through me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we got the he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. That's awesome. And, Praise the Lord. And, and I, I'm not quite sure what verse it is about um, when a new believer comes to know Christ that the angels rejoice. Yeah. What, what yeah, that was Jesus. It was Jesus who said that, and it's in Luke chapter 15. It's a really interesting uh-huh. context, by the way in which he says that he says in the same way I tell you there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents now the context for him saying that is he's talking about he tells three parables in Luke chapter 15 that are all about lost things being found and I would summarize Luke 15 in saying this the whole point of this chapter Jesus tells three parables which are about being lost and then being found by God being sought by God and being found by God. And the overall theme, overarching theme of this chapter is how does God feel about wayward people? And uh, and it's really fascinating because the first verse of the chapter is talking about how the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus. And you would think that's a good thing, right? Sinners are drawing near to Jesus. But it says in verse 2, but the Pharisees and scribes grumbled and said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus goes on this whole thing where he tells three quick parables, uh, one about lost sheep, one about lost coin, and then one about a lost son. It's actually about two lost sons. That one's really interesting because it has a twist at the end. Because what you find out is that the son who was also, it wasn't just that the prodigal son was the lost son. It was that the uh, self-righteous son was also lost, but in a different way. But he was he was lost too. And the point is that how does God feel about wayward people? And what we see is that he seeks them, he loves them, he wants them, and he rejoices when they return to him. So just like your cousin. Yes. So I, I, I just have a, a, a prayer request um, that... Um, God will give me the courage and the words to speak through His Holy Spirit um, to to be a better witness, to be a better light in the darkness, um, to draw others to, to Christ. Dan, that is a noble and uh, an honorable prayer request, and I would be happy to pray for that for you. So let me do that. Heavenly Father, thank you for Dan. I thank you for his ministry to people in his life. I thank you that he just has this humble spirit that says, God, I don't want any glory. I just want to be used by you in my life to bring people to know you, to bring them life and joy and freedom in you. And Lord, I know that you hear that and it just causes your heart to leap within you for joy. Uh, It causes you to say, That's it. Dan gets it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that exactly in Dan's life. Lord, I know you hear that prayer for courage. And I pray, Lord, give him the courage he needs to speak your word in boldness. And I remember in Acts chapter 14, that, or sorry, Acts chapter 4, that was the exact things that the apostles prayed for. They said, Lord, give us 
boldness. Give us courage that we might speak your word in boldness, even in the face of hardship, if it comes our way as a result. So Lord, I pray that for Dan, and that just as your spirit came upon them and filled them for that ministry in Acts chapter 4, Lord, I pray that the same thing would happen with Dan. Lord, that your spirit would come upon him, and the end result would be that he would be filled with courage to speak your word in boldness. And Lord, I know that that's a prayer request that is according to your will. And I have all confidence that you will answer it. And, um, and Lord, we just rejoice together with you, Lord, that um, his cousin has received you. And um, Lord, you've been bearing good fruit out of that ministry and those prayers that Dan's had. So Lord, I pray you bless him, bless his cousin, help him get rooted and grounded in faith. And I also pray uh, for you to use him even more, give him courage and boldness to speak your word. Um, and to do it in a way that is winsome, in a way that draws people to you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can I ask one more question? Go for it. My cousin was involved in a really bad motorcycle accident um, about uh, two and a half years ago, and he uh, suffered from a really bad uh, brain injury. And uh, they... He was pronounced dead a couple of times, but the Lord uh, saved him. And um, he has a really bad time, hard time with short-term memory. Mm. So I, I also ask for prayer that my cousin will remember this day, that moment that he accepted Christ in his life. Yeah, that Jesus is real. Yeah, let's Thank pray. Let's pray for that too. I believe that God can do that, you know. Lord, we just pray for um, Dan's cousin. Lord, we just ask that you'd bring clarity where there is a lack of clarity in his mind and in his memory. And Lord, we know that you can you can break through those things, like breaking through the clouds, right, and the fog. Lord, and we pray that you would do that with Dan's cousin and that truly he would just have the strongest recollection and memory of giving his life to you. But I thank you, Lord, that it isn't it isn't dependent on what he remembers. It's dependent on what you do and have done in his life. So we thank you for that. We rejoice in it. And we do ask that you give him a that's a real, real awareness of what he has committed himself to and what you've done in his life. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Hey, God my pleasure, you. Dan. So great to hear from you. God bless. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you would like prayer for or advice on. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Brian in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Brian. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. Thank you. How are you? Doing great. What's up? So, Pastor, I gotta, I'm hoping for some insight, maybe some, some blessing. I have a friend, um, and he calls himself a strong Christian. He's very versed in the Bible. Um, I, I met him. Uh, he, he's got some issues with drugs and alcohol. He's trying to recover. Uh and, and I brought him into my fold. I, I actually had him working with me and introduced him to my family. And my family's gotten pretty close with him, but I've kind of fallen off with him. And I get to a point with him that when he comes to my my door and I hear his voice in my house, I, I, I it, it just it ties me up inside. And some of the reasons is, I've, on several occasions, he's 
he asked me to be one of his accountability brothers and try to help him knock some of these issues, smoking, drinking, out, uh, marijuana. And I tried to do that, and um, every time he'd backslide, he'd you know, turn on me and tell me, well, what about your life and things like this? And I just stopped kind of being one of those accountability brothers. But because I see so much um, hypocrisy, I guess I call it, um, I just I don't like him to be around me. And, and it really hurts, especially my young son, uh, who's 11, because he is he's very kind to my son, and um, they develop a relationship. But I have kind of pushed him away and, and asked him to kind of stay away. And I, I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to to have such disdain in my, my heart for him, and I, I'm, I'm struggling with that. And I'm, I'm wondering, maybe you can say a prayer, maybe you can give me some advice, maybe you can give me some insight on how to deal with that, because I find myself, because he is so, he's so well-versed in the Bible, he can quote scriptures and things like that, um, I find myself getting even more upset because he does know the Bible, and he still continues to go down this road. Um, and, and I just it was at Calvary Aurora this weekend, and um, had a guest speaker, and he was talking about the things we say and how we act and how the tongue connects to the heart and what should be coming out of that from your heart is love, and I, I have a hard time with it. So yeah. I, I just thought I'd ask you for some blessing and some insight. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, on the one hand, I want to encourage you to uh, have boundaries, you know, in the sense of, like, you know, be firm with somebody. You know, I'm going to tell you, I think the best passage you could read on this is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12 through 28. And that passage, of course, is fresh on my mind because that's what I taught this past Sunday. I think our message isn't quite yet up on our website, but it will be within the next few hours. Um, so definitely, you know, if you are interested, pick up that uh, message off of our website or our podcast. I'd love for you to listen to that because, of course, I'll be able to go in more detail there than I am right now in the short time we have. But I think it really speaks to where you're at. And I'll, I'll walk you through it real quick. Um, you know, first of all, you know, he starts off by this thing about honoring each other. But then he says in verse 14, it's an interesting thing. He says, I want to urge you, brothers, to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. So, First of all, who's he speaking to here? He's speaking to all the Christians in the church. And so um, that's important. It means that we have a responsibility towards each other in the body. It's not just on the pastors and staff members of a church to do the work of ministry, right? It's on us. And so we have a responsibility to each other. And so he says, I urge you, which is very passionate, you know, attention grabbing language. And he says, admonish the idol. Now that word idol Literally, in Greek, it refers to somebody who is absent from work. So kind of like a no-call, no-show type of guy, right? Somebody who's basically not showing up. They're not, uh, they have opportunities to serve. They have opportunities to contribute, um, but they're just not showing up. You know, they're not living out the potential and the calling that God has for them and, and the, what God wants for their life, which I think sounds like your friend. So he says, um, admonish them. So what does admonish mean? Admonish uh, doesn't mean to scold them, but it does mean uh, the word could be translated like this, like gently correct them. So you want to 
gently correct them. And so it has a brotherly tone, but we might say it has a big brotherly tone, right? Like the way that a big brother talks to a little brother. Like, I love you, but I need to correct you in this way. I'm doing it uh, lovingly and gently, but I need to correct you. So I would say that might be uh, an approach that you need to take with this friend. Here's another one. You know, he says, encourage the faint-hearted. So that, that one probably doesn't apply as much. That speaks to somebody who's been through some trials and difficulties, and um, they're struggling now because of that. You know, they're just, their courage is weak. But then the next one's really interesting because it says, help the weak. And, you know, on the outset, help the weak. Well, what kind of weak? If you look into what it's referring to here in Greek, he's referring to people who are weak morally, which I found very interesting in my study. So people who are doing weak morally. So this is the person exactly like your friend, right, who is um, saying, I, I know the Lord. I know a lot of what the word says, but I am weak morally. I'm constantly, you know, falling back into old sins. I ask for accountability and I don't follow through. I am. Um, I just keep doing the same old stuff. And so what does it say? Help them out. It means that, you know, it's that idea that you help them to get through that thing, help them to get free from that addiction or whatever bondage they're in or uh, get free from these destructive sins that they're in, involved in. And then he says, be patient with everybody. And so I think maybe that's a word for you is be patient with him, admonish him and help him because all these things apply to him. And so, that would be my advice for you um, for how to approach him. You know, ask God to give you his heart for him. Another verse that comes to mind is Second Corinthians chapter 5. I always love this section. It's one of my favorite sections in the Bible, that first part of Second Corinthians 5, where he says, um, We determine now that we will no longer view anyone according to the flesh, even though Jesus we used to view according to the flesh. What is he saying? He's saying we want to view people not as they are physically. We want to see with spiritual eyes. We want to see people the ways that God sees them. You know, when God looks at somebody, how does he see them? What is his heart feeling towards that person? Kind of like our previous caller, right? Uh, talking about the parable of the wayward people, right? The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost sons. And saying, how does God feel about them? Well, what Jesus shows us in Luke 15 is the way that God feels about these people is actually quite different than the ways that... Um, that like the Pharisees and maybe people in general tend to feel about wayward people. God has uh, a different heart towards them. So my point is that um, I think that should be my prayer for you and maybe your prayer too as you go forward is, God, change my heart towards this person. Help me to see them with spiritual eyes. Help me to have patience towards them, but help me to admonish them well uh, in the areas where he's idle. Help me to really help him in the areas where he's weak. So um, that would be my advice. And at the same time, I do think it is healthy for you to have some boundaries with him as well. You know, to say, hey, um, here's what I am going to do for you, but I'm not going to enable you. I'm not going to just make it, I'm not going to uh, placate you so that you feel good in your uh, continuing sin. So I think that's the line you need to walk. Okay. Okay. And And I know... I know in, in, in Matthew it says judge not, but it also says judge by the fruits. And that's yeah. one thing I really have a heart, because he'll throw that at me, and, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm supposed to judge by the fruits inside myself. So you think just kind of stepping back and, and seeing it as, as God would see it with patience and, and love, that should start to help me overcome some of these things? 
Yeah, you're going to be praying for patience. You're going to be praying for love. You're going to be engaging with him is what I would say. But I would say, I think you need to be really direct with him. Like that, that admonition, right? Admonishing him in his idleness means uh, that you come up to him and you gently correct him as a brother. And you say, hey, I love you. But you know, you, you say these things. And I got to tell you that verse where it says, don't judge or else you'll be judged. Um, you know, that has to be taken into context. What is he talking about? You know, is he's saying don't judge to condemnation. But he isn't saying that you should never uh, judge whether or not somebody's actions are right or wrong. Right? Like he's okay. not saying that you should never correct somebody. That would be ridiculous. You and know that's what I'm how saying? I've taken it in my life. And it's that's not, how many people. I guess I just didn't included. understand the condemnation of it. Yeah. No, myself included. I remember uh, this is actually how I became a Christian. I had a good friend. And uh, I drove her to school every day, and I wasn't walking with the Lord. And one day she kind of spoke into my life and said, Hey, you know, there's this verse in Matthew, 5, Matthew 7 where Jesus says, Lots of people will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, I, I did all these things in your name. And my response to them will be, uh, Go away from me, you evildoers, because I never knew you. And she's like, Isn't that you? You know what the Bible says? You know these things about God, but you don't really know God. You don't have a personal relationship with God, and that's shown by the fruit in your life. And my response to her was to write her a letter in which I uh, you know, dug out the Bible, and I found that verse. I don't remember how long it took me, right? Like, even though it was just one chapter away from what she told me to read, you know, it said, hey, don't judge me or God's going to judge you. Well, of course that doesn't apply because uh, we're declared righteous in Christ. What we're not to do, if you read the context there, he says, hey, don't, don't point out the splinter in your brother's eye, but first deal with the log in your own eye, right? So uh, that's not what you're doing, though. You're looking at somebody you love and saying, hey, this thing you're doing is messing up your life. It is messing up your walk with the Lord. It is hurting you, and you're just stuck, right? Like you're like a Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1 through 3 type of person who's carrying around this burden of sins. You're supposed to be running a race, but you're you're burdened down by all these things that are just slowing you down and holding you back and that's not good for you and i tell you that why because i love you right like if i if i saw you and you had the uh symptoms of a disease which i used to have and i tell you hey bro you need to go see the doctor because you have the symptoms of a disease i used to have that disease myself and here's how i got better and you're saying hey here's what i see in you if you were to not tell somebody that you saw those symptoms, that would not be loving. But because you love them, you say, hey, I want you to not, I don't want this thing to destroy you. So I'm going to have you go to the doctor, right? And I, I know what to do in order for you to be better. That's just loving. So anyway, I, I think that that whole, um, don't let somebody pull that uh, judge, not lest you be judged line on you because they're taking it out of context. And the reason why you're pointing those things out to him is not because you're like, hey, I'm better than you. It's because, hey, I love you, and I, I can see what you're doing is hurting you, and I don't want that for you. Okay. Uh, and real quick, what, so I can understand the context of, some, of the Word, what type of Bible would you recommend that I, uh, teaching Bible? Yeah, I mean, I'll just tell you a few ideas here. Um, personally, I'm an ESV guy. I like the ESV. I think uh, you're going to be fine going with something like New King James, uh, New American Standard Bible, ESV. Um, and uh, I would just say, you know, personally, I'm not a huge fan of the 
the message or a new living translation just because I think that with those translations you're you're getting away from uh, translating the actual words you're getting into ideas and when you get into translating uh -huh. ideas at that point you're interpreting which means that what you have is more of a commentary than a translation and okay. um, and so I would just leave it at that I go with the more literal translations like your New King James ESV and ASB I'm going to have to let you go it, now. Yeah. God bless you, Brian. And I just pray God um, gives you uh, grace and patience, but also courage to speak the truth in love to your friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, we've come up to the half-show break, the mid-show break now. And so we are going to be back in two minutes' time right after a few announcements. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. Text us at 720-336-0897. We'll be back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you and pray for you and hopefully answer some of your questions. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Alana in Frederick, Colorado. Hi, Alana. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hey, thanks for holding. Uh yeah. Oh, of course. Um, so I guess uh, the question I have is on a topic I find really interesting. I've talked a lot about it with um, like my family and um, other believers, but it's um, it has to do with like a spirit of depression or a spirit of fear or a spirit of anger. I know that um, when we are saved for the blood of Christ, we're not able to be um, possessed, but I know that um, sometimes... Uh, we still have bondages, and I'm wondering if, like, when people refer to a spirit of fear, because I know, uh, I forget the verse that says, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, and um, and other things. And then also there's a verse that says, throw off every bondage, um, and then it continues, and I forget how it goes. But um, just basically, I'm wondering, does that have to do with, like, a spirit of fear or a spirit of depression? Like, how would you explain that? How would you... Um, go about uh, thinking about that because it makes sense um, because I know that I know many Christians like my mom she struggled with fear so long and that isn't of the Lord so I'm wondering like fear to fear that's what we would always refer to it and that is not what the Lord is doing us but that's what the Bible says um, so like as far as the spirit of depression or spirit of anger or spirit of um, bitterness or um, manipulation okay. how would you explain that yeah, here's how I would explain it. Um, now, there's two ways in which the word spirit is used in the Bible, right? And mm -hmm. so one would refer to like an evil spirit, meaning a being, right? A spiritual being. And then the other one would be a spirit, meaning almost on the same level as like the word attitude, right? Um, mm -hmm. So 
here, let me uh, break this down. I'll go back a little bit. Now, I agree with you that when a believer is in is indwelled by the Holy Spirit, which happens at the moment we put our faith in Jesus, right? The Spirit comes into us as a seal that we belong to God. So he gives us his Spirit within us to lead us, to guide us, to do the work of sanctification within us. And um, and at that time, you know, I believe what Jesus said is true, that at that time, you know, that the two cannot dwell in the same house, so to say. So you're not going to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit and by evil spirits at the same time. Now, that being said, there's a difference, like you talked about um, being oppressed, for example. Is it possible mm -hmm. for there to be some sort of demonic, let's call it oppression or demonic temptation, or let's say just a spirit kind of harassing you, right? Like, so being harassed by uh, evil force or de de demonic spirit, that perhaps inclines yeah. you towards fear or anger or jealousy or rage or let's say depression. Uh, I yeah, think that I is think possible. That is like an yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think that's possible. Here's, here's what I would tell you though. So I would say, first of all, that's an important distinction for us to make. It is not that these things are within us and controlling us. So that's really important. We are, the Holy Spirit within us can you know, have that controlling power. Like this is what Paul talks about in Ephesians 5, where he says, don't be filled with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, what he's saying is, don't let there be any controlling substance or influence in your life other than the Holy Spirit. In other words, be filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And what that means, what I'm saying is that, that why that distinction is so important, that we're not indwelled by spirits if the Holy Spirit is within us. You know, if he's not, then there's no such guarantee. But if we are dwelt, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we cannot be indwelt by evil spirits. And what that means is that they cannot control us. And what that means is what they do when they, let's say they harass us, or even if we use the word oppress. So let's be careful in that word as we use it, because we need to be really clear that these things do not actually have any power over us except to except the power of suggestion, the power of uh, accusation, right? And so this is why when we come to Ephesians chapter 6 and Paul talks about the uh, spiritual armor that he wants us to put on, he mentions a few things like the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. These are things which guard our hearts and our heads and this is why I would say that I believe that one of the main battlegrounds, perhaps the main battleground for spiritual warfare is our thought life. Because here's the thing, if Satan, if demonic spirits, if evil spirits don't have true power over us, the only power they have, you know, you might put it this way, they're kind of like barking dogs, right? They're going to shout at you. They're going to tell you things. They're going to tell you lies. That's what Jesus described Satan as. Right? He described him as um, the father of lies who tells no truth. Right. So I just wrote about this on my blog, and I was, I was writing about Satan and what the Bible says about Satan. It's really interesting. I'm going to pull that up real quick. So the word Satan comes from the word uh, from Hebrew, and it means adversary. And the word devil comes from Greek, and it means accuser or slanderer. So one of the ways the devil attacks us is by throwing uh, things in our face, right? Throwing our sins in our face, throwing our shortcomings in our face. That's where the devil's an accuser. And Jesus tells us that where the devil is an accuser, 
Uh, he is our advocate before the Father. So whereas the devil is accusing us of things and telling us, hey, you're worthless, or hey, you know, you've done this, and therefore you don't measure up, Jesus is on our side saying, uh, I'm your advocate, I'm pleading your case, I am here to say, you're right, he hasn't measured up, or he, she hasn't measured up, but I have measured up on their behalf. Um, and on the other way the devil attacks us is by telling us lies. So in John 8:44, Jesus says the devil is a liar. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so what the devil does, essentially, or what these demonic spirits do, is that they'll shout lies at you, right, into your heart, into your mind, and say, hey, you're worthless. Hey, nobody loves you. Hey, you know, everybody be happier if you weren't around these kind of things. And what we need to do is have the helmet of salvation that guards our heads, our minds, and the breastplate of righteousness, Jesus' righteousness, that guards our hearts. And we, we're able to say, we're able to fight back against that and say, no, these are lies. These things are not true. And I know they're not true because I know the truth. And that's where we come with the sword of the spirit, which is uh, the word of God. And we're able to counter those things with the truth of God's word. So all that to say, um, the first verse you referenced for Second uh, Timothy chapter one verse seven says this: God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, it's interesting how that wor uh, verse is worded. Um, you'll notice if you look in your Bible that in no translation is the word "spirit" capitalized, and so there's two ways of looking at this, and one way that is obviously preferred by or believed by most uh, Bible scholars. Okay, so the first way of looking at it is to say, God has not given us the Spirit, and the Spirit referring to the Holy Spirit, right? So God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not a spirit characterized by fear and timidity, but the Holy Spirit is characterized by power, love, and self-discipline. I think that's true, but I think it's significant that the Bible scholars who have studied this believe that the word spirit here is not used in the sense of a um, angelic being or demon, um, but rather in the sense of this is being used in, you know, God has not given us a character, right? A spirit in the sense of character. He has not given us a sense or a, a overwhelming character of fear and timidity, but he has given us the powerful spirit of uh, power, love, and self-discipline. Uh, your other verse you mentioned was Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where it says this, uh, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Now, you mentioned burdens, or uh, I think you said, trying to help me remember what you said. Maybe uh, you said the word like bondage, throwing off every bondage. Let, let's remember the context of what he's saying here. He's speaking literally just of sin, and he, he says that in that verse. He says, Throw off everything that hinders the sin which so easily entangles. And so there he's not speaking of like a demonic oppression or binding you, controlling you, holding you back. He's speaking of sin by which you essentially have unnecessarily burdened yourself. And the picture he's drawing is of running a race like in the Olympics. You know, you could think nobody goes to the Olympics um, and, you know, carrying a bunch of extra weight in their backpack. Um, that would be ridiculous. You're not going to be able to run very fast. It's just going to burden you down, slow you down, wear you down. And that's what he's saying. That's what sin is like. God set a race before you, and you're just slowing your down, yourself down, wearing yourself out unnecessarily. And so, so let that stuff go so that you can run free.
So does that answer your questions? Yeah, I was just I was just wondering like is saying it as a spirit of depression like it, like I was just making sure is that like the right reference to make. I don't want to confuse anybody because I understand like it has no power over me. I have power through Christ Jesus. Um, He's given me that power and authority through His name. Um, but I like talking to other people about it because some people are like I just still really struggle with this fear. Like I know what the Bible says. I know. What it, and I just encourage them, like, keep proclaiming that truth. Like, keep speaking mm-hmm. that over yourself. Keep um, replacing the lies with the truth, because mm-hmm. that's the way I see it. Like, how you explained how they just, like, kind of whisper these little lies, and they or they shout these lies, or they imply things that aren't true. And, you know, sometimes what we think can really mess with, like, reality. Mm-hmm. What goes on in our mind can mess up what, like, our perception of things. And it can mess up what we what's actually going on. Um, like it'll affect our lives about God, and then it affects how we see God and how He works, and then it's really hard to trust Him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like that's why I was just trying to figure out if that was the right way to come about it. Like, say, um, you know, a well, I of think, depression, I think, of anger. Uh, I think your response to these things is a hundred percent right on. You know, I mean, that's straight Ephesians 6, you know, talking about spiritual warfare and how to go about countering the lies. Uh, so I think that's great. Keep doing that. You're, you're totally getting it right there. Um, don't okay. think, I think your you're only thing, if you're asking, is there like a spirit of depression, meaning like a demon who, who that's like his job is to make people depressed or feel depressed? And there's um, like, yeah, so I, I don't really think that that's the case. Yeah, no, I'm not that each like each demon has its own thing, but I like I know they can use certain things. There's some sure. things that are more are weaker points totally. than others. Um, so like fear can be a problem that one person has, and I know that the enemy knows that, yep. and he's going to use that to his advantage. Not that each one has their own little like, oh, I'm a spirit of fear, but just like using that phrase. Is there a better phrase? to go about that because I don't want people to think like there's this one spirit they yeah have. well then you know I think you know words matter and because of what they imply or what they might communicate so I think you know where the Bible talks about spirit of fear I, I think it's really important that we make sure that we're not confusing people with that when it comes to depression there's nowhere you're going to read about a spirit of depression in the Bible so I would just make it mm-hmm. clear what you're saying you know you're saying hey I'm experiencing Maybe you would say, I'm experiencing some spiritual warfare or I'm being tempted uh, to have thoughts that lead me to depression. You know, I'm, I'm having thoughts that are, um, that are not from God right now and, you know, feeling attacked by Satan. So I would just, I would just maybe clarify the language. That's all I would do. Mm-hmm. But I think in okay. general, I think you're, you're on the right track. And I want to pray for you because it sounds like, you know, first of all, you're fighting this battle yourself, but it sounds like you're also encouraging other people. So I want to pray for you in that. So all let's right. pray. Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you for Alana. Thank you for her desire to to not only know your word, but to act and live on the basis of it. I thank you, Lord, that um, truly you who are in us, you are greater than he who is in the world. And Lord, you want to give us victory over these things. Thank you for the truth. Oh, Lord, that you present us the truth of your love and your grace. And Lord, may we be those who combat the lies of the enemy 
with the truth of your word. Help us to be strong when we are weak in your strength, Lord. And I pray for Alana, Lord, that you give her the ability to tell between the voice of the shepherd and the voice of another who comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, I pray that she would be able to differentiate between the two and that she would have on that helmet of salvation, that breastplate of righteousness, and be able to stand, uh, withstand the fiery darts of the enemy and in that day to stand and to be able to fight with the sword of the Spirit and counter those attacks with the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that you'd use her in other people's lives to strengthen them, to encourage them, and to, to help them to fight that good fight as well. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Lana. Thank you for calling in. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Looks like we've got two open lines, and we would love to hear from you. I make that three open lines. We've got all open lines, and we would love to hear from you. We've got about 14 minutes left in the show, so time for at least one or two more calls. We'd love to have you call in with your questions about the Bible, your prayer requests. We'd love to pray for you on the air and uh, talk about what's going on in your life with some biblical advice. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. You know, just going back to uh, Brian, who we were talking to before the break, and his question about Bible translation, I've written a series of articles that kind of outline different issues related to Bible translation. And I've mentioned that on the past here on the show. And every time I do, you know, I, we tend to get a lot of people texting in asking for the links to those articles. So if you would like those, you know, other people have found them helpful. We, I wrote three articles. One basically outlines what the process of Bible translation looks like and what the different translations are that are out there and how you should go about choosing one. Part two of that, I dealt specifically with the issue of the King James Bible and the uh, received text versus the authorized text and the you know the the original manuscripts that these different translations are taken from. And then in the third one, I dealt with uh, issues of gender specific versus gender non-specific language and the 2011 version of the new international version or the NIV Bible. And um, what's interesting about that is this, that um, in 2011, the NIV came out with a new translation in which uh, they had gotten rid of almost all gender-specific pronouns. The problem is that um, at that point, again, like I was saying to Brian earlier, at that point, when you start to take some liberties with the Bible, um, you're not being faithful to the scriptures as much as you are interpreting them. And anytime we interpret, we're interpreting based on our own presuppositions. And so in that way, what, what ended up happening is the publishers of the NIV, which is Zondervan, they, um, they got so much pushback from people, and I, I think rightly so, who were like, hey, you at this point, you know, you're taking a place where the Bible used a gender-specific term and and we assume, in some cases, for good reason, right? Like when he talks about being a son of God, that isn't just um, shorthand for sons and daughters in all cases. In some cases it is, but in, in some cases it is specifically a son because there's a, there's a theological meaning behind that. For example, sons in the ancient world 
had certain privileges which daughters didn't have. And it's not to say that that's right. What it is to say is that those privileges that a son would have had um, are now applied to women who become daughters of God, right? And so in, in that sense, so it's that idea of inheritance, right? Like uh, you as a woman come and become a child of God. Now you get an inheritance like a son in the ancient world got an inheritance. It's actually a beautiful and really empowering and uplifting thing for women, but you miss it if you actually go to a gender-specific pronoun. Anyway, I dealt with all those issues in that article uh, on the NIV. So I've got a, a series of three articles, and if any of you are interested in reading more about Bible translation and those issues regarding King James, NIV, and uh, other, you know, more of a general overview of Bible translations, give us a text with your email address, and I will email you those links after the show. So the text number is 720-336-0897. So just text your email address to 720-336-0897. I'll send you those articles for you to check out and grow, and hopefully that'll be a blessing to you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life. We'd love to hear from you and pray for you and answer those questions. Give us a call. We've got, uh, let's see, now we've got nine minutes left in the show, and so it's still time for at least one or two calls. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our text line. We have a few texts that have come in so far. Uh, first text says this. Can you please explain what this verse is saying when it says, Jeremiah 33, verse 3, Call to me and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. What is the Lord referring to when he says unsearchable things in Jeremiah 33, verse 3? And this is from Sandra in Denver, Colorado. Hey, Sandra, thanks for your question. Good, great to hear from you and uh, love that you're reading the Bible and asking great questions like that. So let's talk about that. Jeremiah 33, uh, verse 3. Here's what's going on. I think this is really important. Anytime we look at a section, we must look at okay, where does this fall in the big picture of the book of Jeremiah, right? Like, because we can't just start grabbing verses and and not know their context. Okay, so what's happening at this point in the book of Jeremiah? Well, what's happening is Jeremiah has been warning the people about what is going to happen in the future if they refuse to turn back to the Lord. That's really, uh, really important for us to keep in mind. And what Jeremiah has been telling the people is that there is going to be a time when God is going to allow them to be taken into exile. And then during this time when Jeremiah is preaching, the people actually do get taken into exile. And then Jeremiah is preaching to the exiles. And so uh, what we have here is um, in this section specifically, Jeremiah is speaking to the exiles. They've gone into exile. Jeremiah has gone into exile um, in Egypt, and he's writing to the exiles who are in um, Babylon. And so what he's writing to them is he's saying, hey, look, you're, you're there in Babylon. You're going to be there for a while. There were some false prophets, uh, specifically a guy named Hananiah, who was going around saying, hey, uh, you're not going to be in 
this place, you know, in exile for very long. It's going to be over, you know, just kind of like bide your time. Don't even unpack your suitcase. God's going to get you out of here right away. And that was the message that, of course, people were really happy to hear. But it was not a message which was actually from the Lord. It was kind of like uh, cotton candy, right? It's sweet, sweet and sugary. Uh, and people liked it. But at the end of the day, it had no substance. And it just left you sticky and with a stomach ache. And that's what um, Jeremiah was saying to these people is that that, that guy Hananiah is not telling the truth. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to be in exile for a long time. And that's the very famous chapter where it's in chapter 29. You know, you, you have these people who uh, often will quote this verse, right? You know, um, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans uh, not to destroy you, but to give you future and a hope. Now, understand the context of what he's saying. He's saying that to people in exile, and he's saying that in the context of telling them that they are not going to get out of the exile anytime soon. In fact, they may live the rest of their lives in exile. But he's saying, understand that God is doing this for your good and that God's plan for your life is not to destroy you. Even if he leaves you in exile uh, for decades, he does this for your good. And we can say in retrospect, honestly, that exile in Babylon was the best thing that ever happened to the people of Israel because it called them out of their idolatry and as a result they turned back to God that was when the synagogue system developed was in during the Babylonian exile because they were separated from the temple so they would gather in synagogues and they would start studying the scriptures so really being in exile caused them to turn back to God it caused them to turn to the scriptures and it actually prepared the way for them to be prepared for the coming of Jesus. And it's a really fascinating thing if you go into all of the great things that God did through the exile. And you're like, wow, what a blessing that exile was. But another another verse, you know, in Jeremiah 29 is that verse that says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And again, that's two people who are in exile being chastised by God and God telling them, I'm here, I'm waiting for you to turn to me. And when you do, I'm going to be like the father in the prodigal son story, like running down the road to meet you with open arms. Now that brings us to chapter 33, which is part of this section where he's told them in 29, right? Section up to 29. I'm going to leave you in exile for a while, but I'm not doing this to destroy you. I'm doing this for your good. Then he says, starting in verse 30 to the end of chapter 33, the point is God is going to restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel. Now you you might remember this, that the two nations were split. There was a divide in the nation. Uh, Judah, the kingdoms were divided. Now what's, what he's saying is that at the end of this exile, I'm actually going to reunite the nations of Israel and Judah. And that did happen. You know, you look at the time of Jesus, the, the Judah and Israel were not uh, divided anymore. They were brought back. Uh, together. And so God's going to restore the nation. He's going to make a new covenant with Israel and he's going to bring them back to the promised land and he's going to restore the Davidic covenant. Now that brings us to chapter 33 um, and he says this, call to me and I'll answer you. I'll tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Unsearchable things is just another euphemism or way of saying hidden things, things that have not yet been known, things that you couldn't have known otherwise, I'm going to reveal them to you. And this is interesting because in a lot of verses in the Bible, our problem in English is that we use the same word you for both the first person singular, meaning you as an individual, and for the, um, I'm sorry, second person singular and second person plural, which means like you all, right? If we were from Texas, we would say y'all. And, um, 
what he's saying here, this is a first, I'm sorry, second person singular, as opposed to in most cases in prophecies, he uses the second person plural. Now, in this case, second person singular, which means this is God speaking to Jeremiah, not to the nation, and saying, Jeremiah, I am going to show you things that are uh, have not yet been revealed. I'm going to show you new things. And, you know, if you call on me, I will answer you. So does this promise pertain to us as Christians? That's the question we always need to ask. We can't assume that every verse in the Bible uh, necessarily is God's promise to us, right? Uh, but here's the question. If you call on God, will he tell you great things? Yes. Will he tell you hidden things that have not yet been known? Not necessarily. He was doing this for Jeremiah and telling Jeremiah things that nobody had ever known before. And that was his plan to restore the nation and to restore the covenant that he made with David to give them an eternal king. So I hope that uh, makes it clear. You know, later on in this chapter, he talks about giving them a new heart and replacing their heart of stone. It's, it's an amazing thing. But uh, I don't want you to think that you can take this verse and say, God's going to show me something that he hasn't ever shown anybody ever before. One of my uh, mentors always used to say this. He always used to say, if it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's probably not true. And what that means is that God has revealed um, everything about himself that he wants us to know. He has revealed it through his word. The canon of scripture, so to say, is closed. Therefore, um, there aren't things about God out there that we don't know. God has revealed those things. It doesn't mean that God doesn't speak. It just means that when he speaks, he's no longer revealing new things about himself that haven't been known. Hope that answers your question. Thank you for that thoughtful discussion. And um, God bless you. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Calvary Live today. Tune in every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. And I'll be with you again on Calvary Live soon. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.